Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, she's getting so emotional now. I, I just can't even believe they're actually now running the Trump-Putin-Helsinki press conference from July of 2018 as if this has anything. I don't know. Schiff is losing it. I mean, I'm serious. This guy is losing his mind. And he's up there all day today. Repeat, repeat, rewind, repeat, repeat, repeat. It's nothing new. We'll go back to the Mueller report. Now we're going to play the Trump-Putin-Helsinki press conference. Oh, my goodness. Well, th- th- this proves that there's th- th- that's abuse of power. Th- this proves of, of obstruction. They don't have anything left to say. And again, you know, so the this is pretty funny. So, again, they're literally fidgeting and they can't. They're like using little fidget spinners that they have. You know what a fidget spinner is? Uh, Linda, I have no idea what a fidget no spinner is. The senators are walking around to stay focused. They're getting yelled at by these people at uh, Conspiracy TV, Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's Conspiracy Channel. They're actually yelling, even if you're bored, even if you don't like it. Oh, Uncle James has one right here. Sweet baby James. I love that. Uh, he has one of the, he has a fidget What, what is spinner. he doing with that? Is he uh, not paying attention to the show? Sweet baby. Yeah. Well, well, he just came in to show me. He, he literally had it in his office. He goes, run it in. I got one. And then anyway, so this and now with the reports that they're doing, you know, playing crossword puzzles and they're on there, you know, trying to hide their phones and looking at their phones and they just can't sit there. So now some are just walking around to pass the time because they can't listen. I can't even believe it. And, you know, I, I've been watching now for however long, you know, the compromised congenital liar uh, Adam Schiff is here, and I mean, he just goes on and on and on, and there's nothing relevant, nothing new, not a single thing. The facts don't change. And again, we get this ability to to show you two separate Americas, and that is, oh, the president, uh, guess what this president did? The first president ever to attend the March for Life. Well, that's a pretty big campaign issue. I, I thought the issue of abortion was mostly resolved. You weren't going to change minds and hearts. Most people I knew that were kind of dug in, either begin life begins at conception, or even if you do, you, you, you give this window of lack of viability. Everyone that I know that would say they're, quote, pro-choice, to use their words, would say, yeah, but it's got to be the f- first trimester. Um, then we had, you know, this partial birth abortion process and nobody ever wanted to talk about it. And if you did, it was so gruesome, but now you had 10 democratic states introducing bills, you know, where there's no born alive protection safeties. You have this governor of Virginia, what an idiot Northam. Remember him? Well, first the baby will be born and then we'll make sure the baby's comfortable. And then we're going to let the mother decide. I never thought in my life I'd hear anybody. And then there were states that were literally debating this, that we'd we'd have post, you know, birth infanticide. Then we'll let the mother decide we're going to, you know, we're going to help the baby. Well, we'll make the baby comfortable. Then we'll give the mother time to decide. And then she could talk to the doctors later. It's it's unbelievable. Never thought in my life that that would be their position. Hence. The president standing up for life. It was an interesting uh, piece. Where did I see them? I guess the Free Beacon. And they had a newsletter they put out. Uh, Matthew Conanetti, I think is his name. Jerry Nadler, Jerry Nadler may have missed the, the day in law school where they teach you about persuasion. And he said they made a critical error early in the trial. 
He didn't just say the Republican senators who voted to begin the proceedings without calling witnesses were part of a cover-up. He said they had committed treason. Uh, yeah, that was not a good idea. That did not go over well with a lot of Republican senators here, and nor should it have. And so it, it's, it just is endless. It is mindless. It is a political theater. They know We know the outcome. We, this whole thing starting on day one, calling, you know, for witnesses, demanding them. And it's unfair to not have witnesses when Mitch McConnell and the Republicans already agreed 24 hours each. You get the House managers, they impeach. Sole power of impeachment lies with the House of Representatives. The trial, sole power presides with the U.S. Senate. Presiding judge in the case, John Roberts, Supreme Court Chief Justice. And then 16 hours of questions. And then they decide the issue of of whether there's going to be witnesses. Now, my argument is, and I think it should be everyone's argument, okay, they're asking now and demanding for witnesses that the House didn't use to impeach the president. Well, they get their chance. Everyone's dressed up. They got their trial. They impeached the president. Now the trial's going poorly. And it's, I, I can tell, I'm looking at ratings again. Hannity, you're ratings obsessed. I'm not ratings obsessed. It te- It is telling a story. It is a barometer, if it, if you will. It is the best poll we've got if you want to look at a poll and not the tainted polls by these corrupt fake news agencies or industries when they put their polls out. And the numbers for yesterday's viewership, I mean, cable access programs may actually do better. You know, a local cable access show may actually do better than what the networks are doing because their numbers were even lower than the day before. Barely a million viewers. Barely. Total. This is CBS, ABC, NBC. By comparison, the Super Bowl will have 100 million viewers or somewhere thereabouts, whatever, depending on how good the game is. And that plays a part in it. And, you know, and our our ratings are, are through the roof. Thank you again for making us number one. We can't do it without you. And I know, and we're doing other news of the day. And frankly, just we're taking away the pain of anyone having to watch it as if, we have nothing better to do all day than than stare at the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar. I never met a guy, and I'm a talk show host. I met a lot of talk show hosts in my life, and we're kind of accused of being in love with our own voices, and we talk a lot, but that's what our job is. This guy, he does not care that he's he's just making an utter fool of himself. Let me go and let me play for you something here. And this, between last night... And for three years, this guy's been obsessed with Russia, obsessed. And he did it again last night before he nearly started crying. But I want to play for you because I think it's it's so worthwhile that he continues still to push the Russia collusion hoax. Adam, listen to this. 14. Go ahead. President Trump's campaign had welcomed Russian assistance in 2016. The Russians. The Russians. Pushing Russian propaganda. Vladimir Putin. Not the Russians. The president wasn't pushing Kremlin talking points just to do Vladimir Putin a favor. Russian propaganda. Russians. Russia. Vladimir Putin. Putin, the president of the United States, believes this Russian propaganda against the advice of all of his advisors to confront Russian aggression. Russian, 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 Russian. Russia's confidence sadly is growing. It's just insane because that's where he is. Now Adam Schiff got all emotional. (laughs) Let's play it. 
The American people deserve a president they can count on to put their interest first. To put their interest first. Colonel Vindman said, here right matters. Here right matters. Well, let me tell you something. If right doesn't matter, if right doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how good the Constitution is. It doesn't matter how brilliant the framers were. It doesn't matter how good or bad our advocacy in this trial is. It doesn't matter how well written the oath of impartiality is. If right doesn't matter, we're lost. If the truth doesn't matter, we're lost. Framers couldn't protect us from ourselves if right and truth don't matter. And you know that what he did was not right. You know, that's what they do in the old country that Colonel Vindman's father came from. Or the old country that my great-grandfather came from. Or the old countries that your ancestors came from or maybe you came from. But here, right is supposed to matter. It's what's made us the greatest nation on earth. No constitution can protect us. Right doesn't matter anymore. And you know, you can't trust this president to do what's right for this country. You can trust he will do what's right for Donald Trump. He'll do it now. He's done it before. He'll do it for the next several months. He'll do it in the election if he's allowed to. This is why if you find him guilty, you must find that he should be removed because right matters, because right matters and the truth matters. Otherwise, we are lost. All right. I got to step in. Let me just say that. And is Russia obsessed? You know, let me tell you about his right matters, you know, emotion. He's emoting here. Great piece by our friend Rowan Rowan, uh, Scarborough, Washington Times. Because you know what? Nobody else tells the truth. Very few people. Adam Schiff, you know, remember three years of his Russian lies, Mr. Right Matters, that he praised the dossier, endorsed the dirty dossier, unverifiable, now debunked, dirty Russian dossier, praised the author, Christopher Steele. He read from Steele's, quote, dirty, unverifiable dossier. That made up of whole cloth. Now even the New York Times says likely Russian misinformation from the beginning. A list of assertions and lies. The same idiot that was pranked by two Russian comedians. He's the only one on tape. I, I won't play it now, but acting as though they're playing a, 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 a Russian official. And we've got compromising materials. And what's the nature of the compromise? Uh, the naked pictures of Trump. Did Vladimir see them? Can you send them to me? You put a call. Vladimir, of course. He says the compromising, not Tedios. And the dope thinks it's real. It's conspiring to impact an election with Russia. Wow. He said all throughout the three years, he's seen the evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. Seen it. It's there. We have it. You know, he, same guy. Remember the Nunes memo? Well, Schiff had his own memo, counter memo. Schiff lied in his counter memo. He called it correcting the record, the Russia investigation. He said FBI and DOJ officials did not abuse the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Well, I beg to differ because yesterday, what did we learn? The Department of Justice admitted the FBI did not meet the legal standard to conduct surveillance on Carter Page, thus a backdoor to the Trump campaign transition team and Deep into the Trump presidency. He lied because he knew the truth. 
He said he denied that the, the dossier was the bulk of information in the applications. He lied there. You know, the Justice Department's Michael Horowitz, inspector general, found the FBI did abuse FISA also. 17 instances and then sub-instances, some 50-some-odd of them. You know, he implied several times Donald Trump Jr. got a phone call from his father after meeting the Russian lawyer. That never happened. Never. In January of uh, President Trump always said he wasn't aware of any 15-minute session at the Trump Tower. Wasn't aware of it. Everyone said it was a waste of time. You know, he said that uh, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence had obtained phone records. All of Donald Trump Jr.'s calls that day were blocked. Okay, more lies of Schiff. You know, he takes control of the Intel Committee, announces a broad investigation in every Trump business, taxes, everything. Russia, 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 Ukraine transcript. He had to make that up because he couldn't use the, the, the real transcript because it was exculpatory. It's unbelievable. Now we're going to get lectured from him, right? Matters? No, thank you. I'll pass. I thought a good point by uh, Andy McCarthy where he says the president's impeachment trial, he says, has now opened a Biden door. And Adam Schiff is the one who threw it wide open. It makes a difference whether this, this president's asking for for a foreign power to manufacture a case against a political opponent or whether the president is, and this has been my point for a long time, faithfully executing the laws of the land. A very big difference here. And what it, what he says is it makes the difference whether he's manufacturing a case against a political opponent or whether the president is asking, hey, uh, what is going on with these guys? Because we had the tape of quid pro quo Joe. We had the tape of zero experience Hunter. Uh, of him saying, I had no experience, but yeah, I was making millions. The father and son now are front and center. That's why it matters. And this is the point. I've made it. Andy, I thought, made a, did a good job. He made the point. They've been telling the American people that the president has asked the Ukrainian counterpart to fabricate a false case against Biden. In any court in America, that would open up the door to the Trump defense team to show that it was not the president's intention at all that he would be faithfully executing. Or in, in Andy's words, asking President Zelensky to look into the situation that cried out for the inquiry. Adam Schiff steered his case straight to the Bidens. The Trump team may have have their political reasons for highlighting Biden's involvement, but it was Schiff's strategy that made the Bidens relevant. If one or both of them up, end up in the witness box, they have uh, Schiff to thank. They'll probably be pleading the fifth. You want to bet? You want to go down in history believing that? I think they will. After hours of this endless, nonstop, repetitive grandstanding, bringing up stuff that is so irrelevant. Now we're bringing back the testimony of the guy that thought Trump should be impeached, the opinion witness, because he tweeted out the words fake and news. Ukraine got the aid. No one ever discussed aid on the call. He did discuss corruption. They, you know, they're, they're lecturing how important all of this is. You know, when in fact multiple impeachment managers voted against authorizing security assistance for Ukraine. Nadler, Lofgren, Jeffries all voted against legislation. Schiff's absurdly claiming once again that the president somehow violated U.S. policy by not using talking points with Zelensky. Oh, another big point. Uh, House Democrat. What is abuse of power? It doesn't hold up. Zelensky, foreign minister, they've said repeatedly, never felt any pressure. They got the money. The five separate meetings after the call, not one of them mentioned aid. 
And guess what? The one fact witness, no, I want nothing. No quid or pro or quo. Slam dunk, checkmate, it's over. Senate Republicans, do your job. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Some of you might be surprised by this. I am not, and there's two schools of thought here, because I think Lindsey Graham has been pretty phenomenal in all of this and a really strong advocate for the president and the truth. And so quoted in the Hill is saying, I don't want to call Hunter Biden. I don't want to call Joe Biden. This is not the venue. Now, I think he's I think where the senator's coming from here is he's saying this is ridiculous. Now, I believe if they're going to if they're going to start down this road of Republicans are now going. Look, let me let me backtrack. And and the reason these polls frustrate me and there's polls out there saying, oh, yeah, a lot of people support calling witnesses. I don't think most people are are asked that question with the understanding of the very distinct constitutional roles of the House and the Senate. By the way, through no fault of their own, I mean, the average person is busy. The average person gets up every day, shovels coffee down their throat, gets the kids dressed, makes them a sandwich. Hang on a second. What are you saying in my ear? Lindsey Graham is talking. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. So he says, so most people are busy and then they work there 14 hours a day. They come home, they prepare dinner, they study with the kids, they play a little bit, boom, go to bed, uh, crash, get up again, do it all over again, Groundhog Day. So I don't think most people know and should know that the idea, oh, only the sole power to impeach is with the House and the trial sole power is with the Senate and that that the House, they impeached the president, they, they slammed on case, they had to do it urgently so they can go on vacation and then hold back the articles of impeachment. But what the pressure is coming down to is something that the Democrats are, tr- are creating what is a false narrative and issue here. And this is why I say if you have senators that might tend to be weak, you might want to contact their offices and say, hey, don't take the constitutional role of the House on in the Senate. They impeach. They have the sole power to impeach. You hear the trial. They have House managers, 24 straight, droning, boring, dull, repetitive, idiotic hours, learning nothing new. And the president's team has 24. I'm actually hoping they don't use them all. Maybe maybe you can do it in five. Um, because I don't think, you know, repeating and repeating, probably there'd be a, a, a collective sigh of relief. We rest our case because it's not that hard. Only so many ways you can say didn't happen. Only so many times you can point out they got the money. The four facts never changed. The seven lies now of of Adam Schiff that that now Jim Jordan has added to his repertoire. So the idea, and I know that Rand Paul and Senator Ted Cruz, I agree with them. If they're going to go down this road of doing what I would argue is the constitutional taking on the constitutional role of the Senate. And they're going to call witnesses that the House never even bothered to subpoena. And then we get into a a big Schumer shift show, if you will, sham show over the issue of executive privilege. Okay, well, that would be where the courts will weigh in. And I think very heavily on the president's side and on the side of executive privilege. Um, Then you're really going to get into a situation where the Republicans are themselves doing something ridiculous but if they if, if a few weak republicans say yeah i guess okay we'll bring in the witnesses they never bothered to subpoena 
Well, then we're going to have the invoking of executive privilege, as the president should. Then you bring in the Bidens. Okay, we're going to have reciprocity, one for one. Okay, you bring in quid pro quo Joe, Fifth Amendment. You bring in zero experience Hunter, Fifth Amendment. Now where are we? It's time to vote. Now it's time to vote. It's time to end the charade, because we all know how it's ending anyway. Already about 45 Republican senators on record. That, that felt makes it mathematically impossible they're going to get this. You know, and that's why, you know, shift with his overly emotional appeal, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it is his his inaccuracies and his lying. It is it is at a level that I find incredibly breathtaking. I cannot believe it myself. Three meetings with the president of Ukraine. Now, witnesses could find no wrongdoing. You know, no linkage. Remember, Taylor said, Mr. Jordan, it's certainly accurate on the first two, the first two meetings, because to my knowledge, the Ukrainians were not aware of the hold on assistance. Then you had the Politico article that revealed Ukrainian aid was being withheld. Taylor, Politico article, the third meeting, the third meeting that was you mentioned to the senators, there was no discussion of any aid, security assistance, quote, no linkage. Taylor asked again, there was no discussion of linkage. You know, Mr. Zeldin, did you you asked in the deposition that in no way, shape or form in either of the readouts from the U.S. or the Ukraine, did you receive any indication whatsoever? Anything resembled a quid pro quo Volker. Remember him? That is correct. No evidence or of anything resembling a quid or a pro or a quo. And we have Ambassador Sondland. No one on this planet told you President Trump was tying aid to investigations. Yes or no? Nope. Nobody told me that. Yes. He said no. Nobody said it. President never told you any preconditions. Personally, nope. Never did. And we have Ratcliffe. Problem is, in an impeachment inquiry, Speaker of the House says it's all about bribery or bribery. Remember, they talked about bribery and they changed it from quid pro quo. Then they thought quid pro quo didn't work. Then we'll use the word bribery. And then they come up with two articles that have nothing, never mentioned any of these things that they were alleging and, and as their focus grouping and they're trying to build a case for. And Ratcliffe goes on, none of them, the number of, of times witnesses have used the word bribery, the number of times to bribe or describe the president's conduct in the last six weeks in this inquiry is zero. Do you have any information regarding the president of the United States accepting any bribes? Yovanovitch, no. Do you have any information regarding any criminal activity that the president of the United States has been involved in at all? No. Volker, I was never involved in anything that I would consider to be bribery. No. Extortion, no. Uh, did anyone ever ask you to bribe or extort anyone at the time? No, sir, Mr. Morrison said. Mrs. Williams, you didn't, you'd never use the word bribery or bribe to explain the president's conduct, correct? No, sir. Colonel Vindman, you haven't either. That is correct. I mean, there's only so many ways, so many times, so many, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's breathtaking to me. I want to go to uh, 2020 and the race there for a second. I love this. I confronts yesterday Elizabeth Warren over the issue of her forgiveness of student loans. So you do the, the guy paid his student loan. By the way, I had a student loan. I had to pay $58.05 for 10 years. At a time, I didn't have much money. Uh, Linda, how many student loans have you had over the years? You have a million degrees. About I mean, what? yeah, they're, they're killing me. No, you still pay. How much do you pay a month? Do you know off the top of your head? 533 Wow. Uh, 
five thirty three a month. A month. Now, so this guy comes up and says, oh, so you do the right thing and you get screwed? I paid my loans off. Now you're going to take my money and you're going to pay off other people's loans? Listen. Question. My daughter's getting out of school. I saved all my money. She doesn't have any school. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money. And those of us that did the right thing get screwed. But I worked a double shift. Worked extra. My daughter's work. She was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing and we get screwed. I appreciate that. That's all right. Yeah, we do the right thing and we get screwed. There's a report by BuzzFeed out today that Anita Hill is now in Iowa campaigning against Joe Biden. Quid pro quo Joe. And anyway, she said that it's not too late for a proper apology from Joe Biden. The statute of limitations for his apology, she said, is up. Wow, pretty harsh. She gave a lecture on ending sexual harassment. So that's going on in that race. Um... By the way, where's Maxine Waters has been front and center on impeach 45, impeach 45? She hasn't said anything so far. Why not? That's been somewhat puzzling to me. Democrats trying to figure out how to stop crazy Bernie labor unions. Now, here was one thing that caught my attention today. You know, we often have been asking the question, where is uh, Barack Obama? I think Barack Obama understands the vulnerability on the deep state. I really do. I think he deep down, I think Barack Obama has figured out this can go really badly. And we're going to get into this at the top of the next hour. This Department of Justice now admission that the FBI did not meet the legal standard to conduct the surveillance of Carter Page backdoor into the Trump campaign transition and presidency. At least two, the last two warrants, I would and they didn't dispel the notion. I would argue the first two are a slam dunk also. I think he sees a vulnerability there. And, you know, there's a lot of now maneuvering going on, especially as it relates to Bernie Sanders. There's a panic that has set in. Charles Gasparino, colleague over at our sister network, the Fox Fox Business Network, is now talking about, according to people who have spoken to the former president, Barack Obama is weighing a more forceful rebuke of Sanders as the candidate to lead the Democrats in 2020. It's unclear if Obama will name Sanders specifically if he does indeed decide to make a statement or if he will address the matter in more general terms, Obama may also decide to remain silent, particularly if Joe Biden or Warren begins to overtake Sanders in the early primaries and in polling. Uh, The report goes on to say Obama's told people in private that Sanders is both temperamentally and politically unfit to beat Trump in the 2020 election. Know what it sounds like to me? Hey, Bernie, I was the only one that defended you, basically. Even you didn't defend yourself. Everyone ignored the fact that they totally robbed him blind. To be a joke, I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to kill myself, and I'm not kidding. You better fix this right now. I literally am gonna die. I need an ambulance. Yeah, very nervous. That was a Bernie supporter back in the day. Obama telling people in private again, tempor- temperamentally, politically unfit to beat Trump in 2020. Among the concerns is strident form of politics, confrontational manners where he's known not to seek compromise. Obama, Obama said to worry that Sanders' far-left policies, what do you mean just his? It's everybody, which include massive tax increases, free college tuition, <coughs> Elizabeth Warren, uh, Medicare for all, <coughs> Elizabeth Warren, New Green Deal, all of them. Anyway, student debt forgiveness would alienate even traditional Democratic voters. Yeah, I think that is probably true. Um, You have a uh, top 
New York Democrat, former governor, no less, predicting a 35 state landslide win for the president. If either Sanders or Warren gets the nomination, former governor David Patterson was uh, on our flagship in New York station, WOR, yesterday saying, I think Sanders may win the Iowa caucuses. I think if either Bernie or Elizabeth win the primaries and become the candidate, they're going to have to cancel the presidential election because it's going to be a totally lopsided uh, deal, and the President Trump could win 35 states if either of them is the candidate. Oof. But, you know, if I'm looking at the real clear politics average, it says Biden and, again, primaries, plus 6.2. And, you know, it's varying numbers of support with uh, all the candidates. The the closest second is Bernie. Warren has just fallen off the map. She was she was the one that everyone thought might be able to make the move. Um, What else do we got here today? Want to get everything in. They don't have the votes, according to Axios, to call new witnesses, new witnesses. Like, for example, that again, the House is trying to pressure the Senate into doing taking on their constitutional role um anyway i think they can bring in any witness they want that the house brought in the house impeaches sole power to impeach they're presenting their case it's not the senate's role to do their job or take on their constitutional duty anyway axios as of thursday night the prevailing view emerging among republican senate aides was that democrats who need four gop senators votes to not lose anything from their own party, will struggle to get more than three. Calling of additional witnesses, meaning Bolton, Mulvaney, and other people, maybe, I guess, Pompeo, without the extra witnesses, Trump's impeachment could be over by the end of next week. Well, that would be a blessing for the country. You know, but all they have to show for their year in the majority is hating Trump. Psychotic rage against Donald Trump. Anyway, the president is taking... Steps to secure our next elections in spite of what we say. We know the president signed an executive order. Remember, Biden and Obama were warned by Devin Nunes that Russia would try and influence our elections. But this president, remember, executive order that would respond to and deter any attempts by any outside country to interfere in our elections. It's also held multiple meetings with National Security Council members to discuss the approach to election integrity and security. He's taken additional steps to secure against election and infrastructure attacks. By the way, I guarantee you they're all going to try. Are you kidding? They, they, they probably love the fact in Russia that they were able to, I guess, write Hillary's dirty dossier she paid for. The New York Times now says likely Russian disinformation from the beginning. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you are with us. 284 days until the ultimate jury decides you, the American people, get to shock the world again. What will you, we, the people, do? Anyway, uh, we're just going to break from our top story. Obviously, the, the, the I mean, the, the Schumer Schiff Sham show, if you will, just never ends. Nonstop repetition on and on and on. Uh, There is huge news, more vindication of what we have been telling you for three years, that, yeah, there was spying on a presidential campaign and transition team deep into the presidency of Donald J. Trump. And, yeah, there was Russian interference in the election. By the way, that happened. We warned you about it. Evan Nunes told you about it in 2014. Biden, Obama did nothing to stop it. Uh, Yeah, there was a dirty Russian dossier. Yep, that's true. 
unverifiable, now debunked, that was used as the bulk of information to get four separate FISA court warrants. Four of them. One to take away the civil rights liberties of one individual by the name of Carter Page. Uh, turns out, was working for our CIA, cooperative with our intelligence agencies, uh, somebody that provided over the many years tons of information to them. In other words, looking out for his country. And I would ask him over the periods of time. The big news that the mob will never discuss is huge. And this is probably more of a preview of coming attractions because the inspector general report, I would argue, vindicated everything we reported on this program while the mob was pushing, peddling conspiracy theories, a hoax, lies, propaganda, misinformation, slander, besmirchment, smears daily. None of them have ever taken responsibility. They just moved on to the next hoax, the next conspiracy theory. Ignore quid pro quo Joe, zero experience Hunter, and and say, oh, the call with the president, the president released is bad. No, it's not. Now the Department of Justice has finally admitted what we've been telling you all along. The FBI did not meet the legal standard to conduct surveillance of Carter Page and thus use that as a backdoor into the Trump campaign transition. And as Attorney General Barr said, yeah, they were spying deep into the Trump presidency. Let's play some of the attorney general. This is important stuff, what he said, and we'll analyze it on the other side. Uh, You've previously said that you think it's possible that the Federal Bureau of Investigation improperly spied on the Trump campaign. I assume that's a reference uh, to the FISA warrant for Carter Page. Is, Is that what you have in mind or are there other circumstances that you've got in mind there? Well, one of the things I want to look uh, there are people, many people seem to assume uh, that the only uh, intelligence collection that occurred was uh, a single um, confidential informant and a FISA warrant. I'd like to find out whether that is in fact true. It strikes me as a fairly anemic effort if that was the counterintelligence effort designed to stop the threat as it's being represented. Was Carter Page under surveillance uh, uh, during his time working for the Trump campaign, which was uh, roughly January 2016 to September 2016? I don't know. Was any other Trump campaign official uh, under surveillance during that time period, to your knowledge? Well, these are the things that I I need to to look at. And I have to say that, as I've said before, you know, the extent that there was any overreach, I believe uh, it it was uh, some a few people in the in the upper echelons of of, uh, the bureau and and perhaps the department. Uh, But those people are no longer there. Do you believe that Durham's investigation is broader scoped in terms of the intelligence agencies that are being looked at oh yes uh you know he's not just looking at the fbi he's looking at other agencies and also private and departments and and also private actors and uh, so it's a much broader investigation and and also he's not uh, just looking at the fisa aspect of it he is looking at all the conduct uh, both before and after the election so would that include the cia uh, nsa it, it would include uh, agencies that could have been involved in, in this, but uh, we're getting a lot of cooperation from those agencies. You have to remember on something like this, you know, uh, part of the reason you do something like this is, is to deal with some of the various theories that have been thrown out and either show one way or the other whether they're, they're valid or not. So the fact that you're looking into certain allegations doesn't necessarily mean you give them credence. And I think 
The media understood that when Bob Mueller was doing his work, uh, and they should bear that in mind when they're watching Durham. So you're not you're not suggesting though that spying occurred. I don't. Uh, well, uh, I guess you could. I, I think there's a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. Well, let me. But uh, the question is whether it was predicated adequately predicated and i'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated but i'd need to explore that i think it's my obligation congress is usually very concerned about intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies staying in their proper lane and i want to make sure that happened we have a lot of rules about that and uh i want to say that that uh i've said i'm reviewing this i am going i haven't set up a team yet but i do have i have in mind having some colleagues help me pull all this information together and and let me know whether there's some areas that should be looked at unbelievable developments here to help sort this out i know it's other news of the day kim strassel has the wall street journal uh her great columns she's been writing author of the book resistance at all costs how trump haters are breaking america sean davis co-founder of the federalist uh, thank you both for being with us. Um, this Justice Department acknowledgement, uh, Kimberly Strassel, is mind-numbing to me, and I know it's it's getting buried, but this is a preview to in my mind, an admission that we were right the whole time. You were one of the people out there with us every yeah, day. It's, e- yeah. it's enormous. It's overdue. Uh, well past time. And, and let's talk about that timing thing. Why have they finally come out and do this? Because even though some of us were writing about the problems with the FISA warrants and the political background behind those FISA warrants all along, everyone else was ignoring it. And now suddenly they can't ignore it because we have the inspector general report from Michael Horowitz. He laid out a timeline. He made it incredibly clear that by the fall already of 2016, when the FBI believed started to do its due diligence. It was finding out that the the dossier was entirely bunk. They went and talked to original sources for it, who uh, cast aspersions on Christopher Steele, the man who put it together. Um, and so now they're having to admit that at a certain point, it became pretty clear that the basis of that warrant was bogus, and so there wasn't sufficient predication. The question, I think, that those first two likely lacked sufficient predication, too. And that's likely what John Durham is going to get to the bottom. Well, Kim, of. I think I can make that case right now. We know of numerous times Bruce Orr made a warning. We know uh, Kathleen Kavlek at the State Department gave a warning before they ever signed off on the first FISA warrant. Uh, we know now that it's unverifiable, but the bulk of information, Devin Nunes was right, Grassley Graham was right, we now know from the inspector general it was the dirty, unverifiable dossier used. So to me, I think that case has already been proven. Well, no, you make a great point, Sean, that on the merits, it's clear they didn't have predication, meaning nothing in that dossier was true in the end. And they went to the court uh, in the fall of 2016 and said, this is from a credible source, not true. So from that regard, absolutely, yes. In terms of the technicalities of what can they say, do we have sufficient reason? And But the FBI did nothing it should have done right here. The, the vetting of the, that dossier should have happened before they ever went to the court. Your take, Sean Davis, I, I think it's a compelling case, slam dunk case, to be honest, about all four of them. Uh, but And again, they only commented on two now, but I think the case can be made about all of them. 
this all happened, all that spying, all that illegal activity. Right. The, the FISA court order uh, made clear that uh, the final two, I believe the ones that were approved in April and June of 2017, were invalid, were not sufficiently predicated. But the language in the order also didn't – what it said was that they had, had conclusively determined that those two were invalid, but they had not yet taken a position on the first two, which I think, uh, to your point and to Kim's point, shows that they'll eventually come to that. I, I think there's ongoing uh, investigations and matters that deal with that. But what I found really striking was in how the FISA court has handled this. It's, it's shocking, I think, for us to see an order like this declassified and, and so clearly written. But this court was repeatedly told long before this IG report ever came out about these problems. Uh, Devin Nunes uh, put out a big report and memo. Uh, he personally sent a letter to the FISA court, to the presiding judge, Rosemary Collier, at the time. Um, Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan also separately sent notes to the FISA court, which were ignored. Um, so I, I think it's important for us to, to note the significance of DOJ admitting and the FISA court admitting now that it was all bunk. But, but the FISA court has its own credi- credibility problem here and that it was told about and ignored these errors for years. You know, and, and the thing is, what is the great significance of all of this is that it is we now we had at the upper echelons of the FBI, which is the world's premier organization. And, and Kimberly Strassel, you know, I, I, I take great pains to distinguish between the 99 percent in the world's premier law enforcement agency versus this this top one percent that was abusing their power. This is if, if we have them lying to spy on a presidential candidate transition president. We lose our every constitutional right we have if it's true, the outsourcing of intelligence gathering to friendly countries, which I expect we're going to hear more of in the days, weeks, months to come, is happening. That, that means the tools of intelligence are now turned on the American people, the, those powerful tools we entrust to them. And this is why, as when you pointed out, uh, those clips from the attorney general saying we have a lot of rules about this. And this is why traditionally Congress has cared very much about these agencies staying in their lane. Now, suddenly you have Democrats not caring about that at all, but it doesn't make the abuses any less. And and by the way, one other big potential ramification for this, which I'm not sure a lot of people have, have absorbed yet, is that the last of those uh, warrants, which now the FBI and the Department of Justice are admitting, did not have sufficient predication. That was authorized after Bob Mueller was named special counsel. And that brings up the very interesting question of the legality of any information he collected and used via those FISA warrants and may have even used in his prosecutions against people. All right, stay right there. We'll come back. Um, some final thoughts coming up with Kimberly Strassel and uh, our friend Sean Davis. With Kim, a friend, of course, as well. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Uh, we'll get into the other issues of the day in a minute. All right, as we continue this uh, huge blockbuster news with Kimberly Strassel and Sean Davis, um, let me move on to one other issue here, if I can, separate and apart. There's an interesting twist in, the, in Roger Stone's case. The, the one witness in this case, the, the big witness, sent a letter apparently to the federal judge in this case. Uh, Kimberly, I know you're aware of this. Begging the judge not to send Roger Stone to jail. I, I'm writing to respectfully yet fervently implore you not to send Roger Stone to prison when he's sentenced before your honor. Without his testimony, 
this guy wouldn't have gone to jail. It wouldn't have been convicted in any way. And he, you know, he had said, hey, he's just that's Roger Stone being Roger Stone, basically. One of the most unusual letters I've ever been involved in crafting said the defense lawyer represents this guy. Yeah, this is basically this is Randy Critico, who's an activist. He's a radio host. Um, and the evidence that was put forward by prosecutors during the trial showed that uh, supposedly Stone had threatened him uh, not to cooperate with congressional investigators. And now Critico is saying, look, I understand that Stone has been found to have broken laws, but I never took any of these threats seriously. Uh, basically, what he's doing is saying, let's have some common sense about all of this, given the drama and the hype that was now the entire Mueller investigation. And I actually think that that is a, a, a reasonable position. Everyone needs to step back and remember that this entire event was, in essence, made up by the Democratic Party. Um, and, and that needs to be factored into decisions that are being made in courtrooms. What do, what do you think, Sean Davis? Well, I agree. And, and you know, dovetailing this with the uh, the FISA ruling, uh, the, the Mueller investigation for I think uh, up to uh, nearly six months was using information, evidence from this poisoned tree. Um, it was using that final FISA warrant, um, which we are now told was invalid to collect uh, intelligence as part of this. And I actually think it would be wise for the Justice Department to go back and look over every single case it prosecuted, whether it was Stone or Manafort, Gates, anyone else, and try and determine, uh, you know, what kind of evidence was, did we collect pursuant to that Carter Page warrant? And are any of these cases that we prosecuted now in jeopardy because we took fruit from this poisonous tree? Wow, I think that's a profound statement. Fruit of the poisonous tree is the perfect analogy. I don't expect it, though. Kim, any predictions? Yeah, I don't expect it either. Um, look, I mean, what this really reminds us all, if we come out of anything with this in the end, it is about the dangers of special counsels in general. What you had with Bob Mueller, he never did put anyone in jail, prosecute anyone for any of the things he was tasked at looking at. Uh, and all you end up getting is uh, side-related derivative prosecutions, which would never have happened if the appointments hadn't been made. And this is, seems to be the, the way we have every time we, we name a special prosecutor. This one was even more corrosive than most. All right. Thank you both. Sean Davis, Kimberly Strassel, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? We'll get to your calls We'll get to some of the other news of the day. Peter Schweitzer, five Biden family members, filthy rich with zero experience. We'll ask him straight ahead. President Trump's campaign had welcomed Russian assistance in 2016. The Russians, the Russians pushing Russian propaganda. Vladimir Putin, not the Russians. The president wasn't pushing Kremlin talking points just to do Vladimir Putin a favor. Russian propaganda. Russians, Russia, Vladimir Putin. Putin, the president of the United States, believes this Russian propaganda against the advice of all of his advisors to confront Russian aggression. Russian, 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 Russia. Russia's confidence, sadly, is growing. The American people deserve a president they can count on to put their interest first. To put their interest first. Colonel Vindman said, here right matters. Here right matters. Well, let me tell you something. If right doesn't matter, if right doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how good the Constitution is. It doesn't matter how brilliant the framers were. It doesn't matter how good or bad our advocacy in this trial is. It doesn't matter how well written the oath of impartiality is. 
If right doesn't matter, we're lost. If the truth doesn't matter, we're lost. Framers couldn't protect us from ourselves if right and truth don't matter. And you know that what he did was not right. You know, that's what they do in the old country that Colonel Vindman's father came from. Or the old country that my great-grandfather came from. Or the old countries that your ancestors came from, or maybe you came from. But here, right is supposed to matter. It's what's made us the greatest nation on earth. No constitution can protect us. Right doesn't matter anymore. And you know, you can't trust this president do what's right for this country. You can trust he will do what's right for Donald Trump. He'll do it now. He's done it before. He'll do it for the next several months. He'll do it in the election if he's allowed to. This is why if you find him guilty, you must find that he should be removed. Because right matters. Because right matters. And the truth matters. Otherwise, we are lost. Yeah, that would be him. The biggest liar. This obsession with Russia. <laughs> he, he sanctimoniously is going to lecture anybody on truth. It takes my breath away because everything he's saying is describing himself. If right doesn't matter, truth doesn't matter. Three solid long years of him advancing. We've got the evidence. There is already, in my view, ample evidence in the public domain on the issue of collusion. If you're willing to see it, uh, if you want to blind yourself, then you can look the other way. I can certainly say with confidence that there is significant evidence of collusion uh, between the campaign and Russia. I've been very clear over the last uh, year, year and a half, uh, that there is ample evidence of collusion in plain sight. Uh, now, bear in mind that meeting at Trump Tower, which takes place after the campaign is alerted that the Russians have these emails. Don Jr. is told, hey, at the highest levels, ultra-sensitive, we have information incriminated about Hillary Clinton as part of the Russian government effort to help Donald Trump. That looks a lot like collusion to me. Well, certainly if uh, the Trump campaign went to a meeting with the Russians seeking to enlist uh, or receive the help of the Russian government uh, in getting damaging Which information. Which is what the trail of evidence and emails suggests is the case. Yes, that would be a potential form of collusion. You have an offer of illegal help. You have the acceptance of that offer. You have an overt act in furtherance of that conspiracy. That is, I think, by any rational Americans expectation the the personification of collusion it's been three long solid years of doing nothing except hating one person and not accepting the results of an election that's all this has been you know now uh, what have they done their year plus in the majority it's now one full year obsessive investigation three years talking about impeachment in 2016 two days after and 19 minutes after the president is sworn in, Washington Post talks about impeachment. Every Democrat media mob, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. And now they get to the point where they bring the the country to a near constitutional crisis that we know how it ends. I don't want to be that dramatic, but it is a, a despicable, repulsive grab for power and a disdain for we the american people now they ba they basically have shut down congress because of their impeachment sham 
you know, the Schumer shift sham show, if you will, reneged on their promise. What have they done for the American people? Solely the one objective. Now it's to bloody up the president and then to force votes on witnesses when witnesses are already time is allotted for the debate on that after the 24, 24, 16 hours of questions. That, that's already been prepared, but they had to, to put the show on. Why? So they could hurt, oh, Corey Gardner, Joni Ernst, and Susan Collins. Because they'd already agreed to have the discussion after the 24 hours for each side and the 16 hours of questions. And despite all of this, then you have the president's success. By the way, think the president doesn't take his job seriously? Well, he's turned out to be, for the Christian community, Christian values, the, the, the single biggest pro-life president in history, the only one that's ever. History was made. President speaking at the March for Life. What have we heard from the Democrats in the last year? Oh, well, first we'll deliver the baby and we'll make sure the baby's comfortable and, and we'll let the mother decide. Wow. We're not even talking about a debate here over any issue that is involved with, you know, pro-choice or the origins of no that's pure infanticide if a mother is in labor i can tell you exactly uh, what would happen um the infant would be delivered uh the infant would be kept comfortable uh the infant would be resuscitated if if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother oh then a discussion after the baby's born and comfortable we had what 10 democrat states Debating this nonsense, this madness. He's the only president ever to speak at the March for Life. The president, nobody thought he'd get this deal done with China. The president goes to Davos. He's a rock star. People, he's the envy, his, the economy of the United States, the envy of the world right now. The envy of the world and every other world leader is afraid of him. Why are they? And by the way, fear is not a bad thing to have. Uh-oh, but, you know, we, we want really good relations. We don't want you to, to put sanctions on us like you did China. Well, they forced China to a two-year, $220 billion deal that helps our farmers, our service industries, our manufacturers, our auto manufacturers, and our energy sector. Just two years. If you didn't negotiate, we would never have gotten it. And it stops intellectual property theft. President's doing that. President's in Davos. President has the deal with Japan, Canada, Mexico. Wow, whatever new money I guess we got out of this deal with Mexico, I guess we're putting towards the wall. Shocking. Mexico's paying for it over time. Glad to hear it. Promise made. Judges, tax cuts, ending burdensome regulation, building the wall. You know, look at his positions on Israel, Jerusalem, capital recognizing Golan and, and the sovereignty of Israel. No one has ever been as pro-Israel as this president. He's now offering next week Middle East peace plan. There's a window. I've been talking about this for a long time where there's such fear of Iranian hegemony that the Israelis, the U.S., the Saudis, the Egyptians, the, the Jordanians, uh, the Emirates are all united. I didn't think that could happen five years ago. There's, a, there's an opportunity here to, to say, okay, let's all unite and put all our differences aside, and we can maybe have peace in the region. And maybe you can help absorb some of the Palestinian population, and, and you can help build some of these countries. Pretty wealthy countries here we're talking about. Who knows what can happen? No long protracted wars. The caliphate's gone. 
Baghdadi's dead. And uh, no, we didn't get into a war with Iran. But when you kill an American, there's our line in the sand. Got it right there. Here's your window. If you, you want to ratchet this up, it's not going to end well for you, Iran. Your choice. But it's not going to be boots on the ground either. Record low unemployment, the lowest since 1969. At every demographic, you've heard me say it. Want to go back to the Biden-Obama economy? I don't. Richard is in New Jersey. What's happening, Richard? How are you, my friend? Glad you called. All right, let me ask you a question. So I was having with friends from New Jersey the other day, and they were arguing over, because both Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen, you know, two very huge, iconic, successful bands and, and, and individual players in their own right and musicians, arguing who was the real voice of New Jersey. Who do you say? Well, I would have to say Bruce Springsteen, John. Okay. Um, I've been listening to him since uh, I was in high school. God, I hate so his he, politics. I really do. But I, can, I, I can't hate too. his music. If I hated, too. if I if I measured music I like based on the politics, I'd, I'd be stuck with only country, which is my favorite anyway. But even some country stars are pretty liberal. liberal. That's true. But That's he's true. obnoxiously Al Franken-like liberal. Yes, he is, and and actually, I don't uh, attend his concerts anymore because he brings his politics to the shows, and I'm there to hear the music. I don't I don't need to be lectured by someone who thinks he has a, has a better understanding and knows more than I do. You know, I mean, I, I agree. If I go to a concert and I start lecturing, I'm like, I right, just shut up and play. Just stop. Exactly. Exactly. Play. You know, we <laughs> all right. If you want to go on a talk show and give your political opinions, but. People go to the concert because music is the most powerful, one of the most powerful forms of communication. I, and I'm in radio and TV, I'll tell you, because it touches people's hearts. It exactly. moves them. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Anyway, what well, else is hope, on your mind? Well, I hope you can hear me, okay? I'm actually at the pro-life march in Washington right now. Uh, we heard the uh, president speak, and let me tell you, it was unbelievable. I mean... We are just so blessed to have a pro-life president. I just wanted to give give a you know a shout out to to the president for what he's done. Uh, the crowd was amazing, and I'm just uh, we're just very I'm here with my family, and we're just so happy to be here. It's but a the, tale of two Americas. The president's doing all the stuff he's doing. Historic day, the first president to attend the March for Life, celebrating the dignity of human life. Boy, I rem- do you remember when I was getting the crap beat out of me by conservatives because they were all thought I was lying to them that Donald Trump would govern conservatively? And I said, I, I know him. I'm telling you. Remember, I remember. I, I remember I, yeah. I was getting, and I said, and by the way, I do what I always do. I tell my audience the truth and I knew what the truth was and I owe it to you to tell you the truth. And I can lame a lot of guys in radio beating the crap out of me every day about it, but it's fine. Nobody's apologized yet, by the way. Shocking. Well, they probably won't. So what was on my mind, Sean, is I, I did a piece the other day. I wrote something, um, and it, I'm, I'm an attorney. I've been litigating. I'm a litigator. I do intellectual property work. I'm doing this for 30 years. And, you know, when it comes to litigation, there's two phases, right? There's discovery and the trial. And when you go through discovery, if you're not getting the evidence you need, you fight like heck to get it. You never give up. If privileges are asserted, you go to the court, you file motions to compel and for the life of me, you know, I look at the, what's going on with the impeachment and now the trial before the Senate. Why did Schiff and the Democrats not go after the evidence that they say they needed, the witnesses they now want, during the impeachment phase, which is essentially discovery? It made no sense to me. You know, if you want it, fight to get it. And we heard a lot of excuses. But what I'm now convinced 
is that this was all a strategy from the beginning. Call me conspiracy theorist if you want. They knew they would have the, the votes in the House for impeachment before it started, or else it wouldn't have started. And they knew the Republicans in the Senate would never vote to convict. So let's go ahead. Let's do the impeachment. Let's not get the witnesses that we want. Let's not take this to the courts. Let's not subpoena the documents to set the Senate up for charges of cover-up. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Why you know, Pelosi- l- listen, on principle, you're you're a thousand percent right. On principle, this case should have been, there's no prima facie case, motion to dismiss, summary judgment. I'll use whatever terms you want to use as a lawyer. You use them every day. But I'll tell you the reason why I prefer the trial. They impeached him. Now they're trying to make the Senate, you're right, do their job. But I prefer the trial because a full acquittal will come. That's vindication. It won't be, oh, they wouldn't even listen to us. Oh, they no. And the, them playing politics with these votes on witnesses, they knew it was it's a show for them. That's the sad part. They knew that. I'm convinced they knew that back in September or October when it's all started. You know, it was all part of the plan. And let's, you know, I almost think it's not so much about impeachment as it is. Let's try to flip the Senate. This has become now the Chuck Schumer show, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I, you know, I don't even know what to call this anymore. You know what it is? It's despicable. It is it is so bad for the for the country in general, but they don't always care. I guess you can call it the Shady Schumer uh, Shift Sham Show. How's that? I can keep going with the S's, but, you know, at some point I'm going to bury myself. I got a break, though. Thank you, Richard. 800 941 Sean is our number. suggested that my son did anything wrong, but he'd gone on public on record and did a long interview with the, with, with the New Yorker magazine that for the first time I read it whole lately, and he said he thought he made a big mistake going on the board. No one said he did anything wrong, but people say, well, what about the appearance? He said it was a mistake for him had to have done it because he didn't count on thugs like Giuliani and others using it as a means by which to try to hurt his father. And, and there's nobody has indicated there's a single solitary thing that he did that was inappropriate, wrong, or any relationship to other than the appearance. It looked bad because he was there. He did not sign up for a second term on that board. But he acknowledges, he acknowledges that he, in fact, made a mistake going on the board. But what I'm not going to let happen is, think about everything that President Trump does at the time he was a real estate guy. And that is that whenever he has a problem, he blames somebody else, tries to divert the attention. And it's great. Why did he, why, why do you think he is being, why do you think the House indicted him in the first place? Because he picked up the phone. He called the newly elected Prime Minister and said, I'm going to, apparently, based on the evidence I'm going to withhold $400 million in aid that your folks need in order to keep the Russians from killing your citizens. Unless you announce, you don't have to do anything, just announce you're going to investigate Joe Biden. Now, why do you think he did that? Well, yeah, it's scared beyond that. You know, George Washington in his, uh, this, the reason why I would not make the deal the bottom line is, I, this is a constitutional issue. And we're not going to turn it into a farce, into some kind of political theater. 
They're trying to they're turn into political things. I'm not no part of being any part of that. Okay, everything you just heard there is nothing but a lie. He he's worse than Schiff. I mean, it's it's remarkable. He just now he said I'm gonna withhold four hundred million dollars unless you announce. N- none of that was ever said. Not a single time. Not once. You know, and it's remarkable to me. If you want to know how corrupt this whole process is. Is here we got all the new evidence. This guy that is indicted by the the Southern District of New York and accused of them of not only campaign finance violations but trying to hide a million dollar payment from of all countries, Russia, 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 and then but as he sent that new evidence over, which disintegrated, uh, he declares Joe. Quid pro quo, Joe, who's on tape. Yesterday was the two-year anniversary of him bragging. You're not getting the billion dollars. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a... Got fired. Oh, son of a B, got fired. Now, he mentioned the New Yorker interview. Yeah, that's where Hunter... Oh, yeah, my my dad's fully aware of everything I'm doing. And Joel said the opposite. They contradict each other. Then a 49-year-old kid, the worst interview I've ever seen on TV, goes on Good Morning America... Any experience, oil, gas, Ukraine, energy? Nope. What were your qualifications to be on the board of Burisma? Well, I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for five years. I was the chairman of the board of the UN World Food Program. I was a lawyer for Boyce, Schiller, Flexner, one of the most prestigious law firms in the world. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though? Uh, No, but I think that I had as much knowledge as anybody else that was on the board, if not more. I have no experience. Now, what company that you've ever heard of would ever pay anybody millions and millions and millions of dollars and have no experience? Wow. Father is in charge of Ukraine. You're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor. I know that is investigating my zero experience son being paid millions. It is when when the congenital corrupt liar, compromised liar, in this case, Adam Schiff, sent that new evidence, he declared the Bidens innocent. Really? I don't buy that. We need the full investigation. And what it even gets worse from there because the, you got an investment fund connected to Hunter Biden, got $3 million taxpayer cash from a federal program run by one of his father's top advisors. This is all part of the new information that Peter Schweitzer has in his new book, very timely book, and it's up on Hannity.com. It's in bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. You want to know it's political? Well, then the compromised congenital liar wouldn't declare Joe, quid pro quo Joe, and zero experience Hunter innocent. It is, it, it is breathtaking hypocrisy. A despicable and repulsive double standard, a pure political act. Anyway, Peter joins us now. I, you know, with all that I've heard this week, I'm look, I'm doing a deep dive into your book, and I know we were going to talk about some of the other candidates. I can't get beyond this because yeah, sure. Sure. you got the startup link to Hunter Biden's firm bagged three million from a government program run by Biden's advisor. 
you do a remarkable job laying out for your for the readers of your book the the, the entire family run business if you will of the Bidens and how just utterly corrupt it is top to bottom five members of Biden's family got rich with zero experience is that a fair characterization Yes, it is. I mean, that's the pattern you see, whether it's Hunter Biden and the deal in Ukraine or the China deal, whether it's his brother who gets those Iraq uh, war reconstruction contracts, even though he has no background in construction. You've got another brother who does deals, uh, some involving U.S. taxpayer-backed loans in renewable energy. He has no background in renewable energy. The list goes on and on and on. And, and look, Sean, everybody outside of the Beltway and most of the people inside of the Beltway know what's going on here. You know, we all get that, that you know, people in politics who have a last, famous last name get certain advantages. But this is far different than that. All you have to do is look at the Ukraine situation. You know, Putin goes into Crimea in February of 2014. There's a crisis. In March, Barack Obama appoints Joe Biden as point person for Ukraine policy. Within three weeks of that appointment, Joe Biden's son is put on the payroll of this Ukrainian company and given a million dollars a year. Everybody knows why that's happened. And to pretend, you know, as the Bidens say, oh, well, it was a mistake, but there was nothing inappropriate. They knew exactly what was going on. And I think most people recognize that, too. Well, I want you to go into the more detail here. And, you know, I think it shows how political that, you know, oh, he's getting all emotional and, you know, it's so corrupt. The, the level of hypocrisy and how universal it is is mind-numbing to me because there, there's such a there's such a blind hatred and rage that it allows both the mob and the media and all the Democrats that are feigning outrage over Donald Trump when he did nothing wrong with Ukraine, nothing, and then they're ignoring this, which is a slam dunk case of, in my humble opinion, as identified by lawyers I've interviewed, they think this would fit the bribery statute pretty uh, significantly. I'd like this investigated. Yeah, it absolutely should be investigated. And I think you're quite right. I mean, if you look at Donald Trump's phone call with Zelensky, um, it was appropriate on several levels, levels that uh, Joe Biden certainly doesn't want to discuss and most of the people in the media don't want to discuss. But just think about it in this context, Sean. Zelensky is elected the new leader of Ukraine. His chief financial backer, everybody acknowledges this, is a Ukrainian oligarch named Kolomoisky. Uh, this is an individual who's highly corrupt. He was the head of a bank called Privat Bank. Uh, and more than a billion dollars of U.S. aid money in Privat Bank just disappeared. Just disappeared. Now, this is the guy that has helped put Zelensky in power. The only way, the only way you are going to get a leader like Zelensky to seriously address corruption issues is by specifically asking and making the request, I want you to look into this. Work with our attorney general to look into this. Doesn't, uh, doesn't a president is, have a, 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 a constitutional oath to fulfill to faithfully execute laws? Because we're talking about potential crimes here. And the leveraging and shakedown of using a billion taxpayer dollars to get a Ukrainian prosecutor fired who is investigating his zero experience son being paid millions. That would seem legitimate to me. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and especially if you look at the backdrop of Ukraine, how, uh, how much U.S. aid has disappeared over the years. 
I mean, look, it's it's uh, you know, Ukraine is one of the most corrupt places on the face of the earth. It's sad to say uh, somebody from Reuters uh, once said uh, that things happen in Ukraine that would make a Nigerian blush. Uh, the point is, um, we're pouring a lot of money into that country. And then all of a sudden you have the Biden family show up and start cashing in at the same time while Joe Biden is vice president. So it's a completely legitimate question to ask. And, you know, I really believe the crux of this, Sean, is uh, the Biden family has been doing this for a long time. It's deep rooted. As I said, there are five family members that have cashed in and Joe Biden cannot have the investigation go there because once it does, it, it blows the cover off the fact uh, that this is his, has been his business model for quite a long time. Uh, so he doesn't want to have this conversation, but we should have the conversation. It's the oldest conversation in politics, which is follow the money and see why these guys go into office poor and their families end up being very wealthy. And that's certainly the case with the Biden. You know, I want people to understand, he said in that interview on ABC, I haven't gotten a penny from China. He said that. <laughs> now his yeah. lawyers seem to do a little protective work by saying oh no no he hasn't uh he has uh, i guess shares that he's not sold yet he has interest right. that that he didn't reveal so that was how misleading on a scale of one or a thousand was that statement oh that that's that's at a thousand um they they have uh, lied and deceived from the beginning sean remember we came on uh early on when the book came out and we talked about the fact that hunter biden was put on the board of directors of this chinese funded investment fund his business partner was the vice chairman of finance um of investments to make these decisions the bidens immediately said no no no, no. he's not on the board of directors he was just an advisor so we showed them the website of the Chinese investment firm showing that, yes, Hunter Biden was on the board of directors. So then they changed their tune. Then they said he was on the board of directors, but he really is not making any money, as if somehow he was serving on the board of a Chinese investment firm as a charity. Uh, then they were forced to admit, OK, yes, by being on the board of directors, he does get a vested stake in this company, uh, and he is going to make money, um, but he's not going to make money anytime soon. Anybody Stay, knows in private yeah. equity, you cash out at the back end. That's what this is about, a big payday at the back end. All right. Stay right there. Uh, this book is phenomenal. It is a must read. It is chock full of information, heavily resourced, researched about the corruption. It's called Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. It's not just Biden, although he's probably right up there at the top. But you got Warren and you got Sanders and Kamala Harris and a bunch of others. And it is amazing. Those that lecture everybody about redistribution, all generous with other people's money, they all get rich while in office, supposedly as public servants. All right, as we continue wrapping things up, we'll get to your calls. Final half hour of the program, Peter Schweitzer, his brand new book, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. Let's sum up how you think this plays out, knowing all you've researched about how corrupt the Bidens are. And the Democrats say, well, maybe we'll give you a Biden for a, uh, Mick Mulvaney or a John Bolton. It's so silly. Do they really want to bring in a Biden? How bad would that be for the Democrats? Well, I think uh, Joe Biden is going to cash in every chit he has to make sure uh, that that his son and he are not required to appear because they will be for the first time, Sean, under oath. Uh, we have the documents. We have the paper trail. 
So I think they are going to fight tooth and nail uh, to somehow get Democrats to back off of this deal. Um, I don't think Joe Biden wants this at all. Um, and I think we're probably, uh, you know, going to see um, this get buried. The critical question, though, to me, Sean, is, is, is beyond the impeachment, as we look past the impeachment, is, is this going to become a, a point of contention in the Democratic primary? It certainly should be. Uh, the media has been reluctant to raise these questions. They, they want to poo-poo it. They want to say, well, you know, uh, Hunter was this troubled kid, even though he's 49 years old. They, they want to make excuses for the fact that this behavior went on. But the evidence is so overwhelming. It includes so many family members. I think it's going to come out uh, in the primary campaign, that it's just going to be simply too much for Bernie Sanders or some of the other candidates uh, uh, to bring up. Because it runs so contrary to the image that Joe Biden has tried to portray over the course of his his 40 plus years in politics. And, I got to let it go here, your- but we, we put your book, it's Peter Schweitzer, incredibly well researched. And you'll see all the footnotes in the back of the book. There are many uh, profiles, corruption, abuse of power, America's progressive elite, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com. Uh, Peter, great work. Thank you. When we come back. We'll get to our phones. It's Friday, and it's not Super Bowl Sunday yet. Straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. It's Friday, and we have so much audio. We call it the audio of the week segment of our radio show. My favorite audio, I have a couple of favorites this week. One was Elizabeth Warren confronted. Oh, so you do the right thing and you get screwed? I paid back my student loans. Now you're going to take my money to pay off everyone else's student loans? Uh, You get screwed if you do the right thing. Then there's Jim Jordan's The Seven Big Lies of the Compromised, Corrupt, Congenital Liar, Adam Schiff. And, well, the other audio of the week. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any school. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money. And those of us that did the right thing get screwed. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate that. We're supposed to believe Adam Schiff today, everything he's saying. Remember, this is a guy who said we have more than circumstantial evidence that there was coordination between Trump and Russian influence election. That turned out to be false. Adam Schiff said that Nunes' memo was false. Michael Horowitz told us no, it wasn't. It was exactly right. Adam Schiff said you can trust the FISA court. Michael Horowitz told us last month, no, you can't. They lied to the FISA court 17 times. Adam Schiff told us we're going, we look forward to hearing from the whistleblower. Adam Schiff said, we've had no contact with the whistleblower. And then just yesterday, the story where he misrepresents to all of you, to, to, to Chairman Nadler, and most importantly to the White House counsel, that Mr. Z is Mr. Zelensky, when in fact it was Zolchevsky. So, but today we're supposed to believe it. He just talked for two hours and 15 minutes, and we're supposed to believe everything he said today. In, in spite of that history, where seven important things he had exactly wrong. So, yeah, when he talks about Sondland, he doesn't tell you that was all presumption. Mr. Sondland said that when, when Congressman Turner asked him under oath at the hearing. So that's the kind of that's the kind of game they're playing here. And, and again, I think the American people see through it all. All right. Let's get to our phones. Uh, by the way, isn't it so true, though, Linda? Think about that. The you, you know, oh, we I know how many degrees you have. You're like a thousand degrees, right? How many? Ma- two masters? 83. I have 83 degrees. 83. I'm smartest person. 83, smartest person on the face of the earth. I'm so smart that um, they just said, no, you can't come back anymore. It's enough. (laughs) You're cracking me up. All right. So so here is my question to you. I mean, it's because these are remarkable times that we're living in here. 
But and I forget it. Oh, oh, did you see the tape of George Stephanopoulos? No. So Stephanopoulos is caught on camera. Fox News picked it up. And he's like doing the cut, 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 like throat slash gesture. Now, I've used this myself to say, all right, time to go. We, we're way behind or whatever it is. When he he's telling his network, Mr. Clinton supporter, sycophant himself, to cut away from Jay Sekulow, the president's personal attorney, you know, taking questions from the press on Thursday. No, we don't want to hear his side. No, no. You know, this is the guy we played earlier in the week. I mean, he's such a sycophant. I was watching. Well, did you see Tubin? I didn't Tubin. see Tubin. Tubin is like one of, I'd say, two that I can think of, of the dumbest lawyers on, on but television. But wait, he had a moment of brilliance. Come because on. Because he gave Seculo a hat tip. And he's like, listen, this guy's a great lawyer. He has amazing points. He makes terrific arguments. And I was like, oh my, is this happening? It was crazy. Now, I remember when we had Bill O'Reilly on and, and he wants to see a little, was it him that wanted more fire out of Seculo and Cipollone? I'm like, guys, they're doing their job. I'm not worried about Seculo. Seculo's great. Cipollone needs, uh, he's been listening to Adam Schiff too long. <laughs> well, I, I, but I'm going to tell you. Which is not his fault. He's forced to sit there. It's painful. Well, I, I cannot believe, because we've been watching all day. You know how on TV I'm doing the timeline and their drones on shift of all, and we put the time and he talks and he talks. And he, I used the analogy yesterday that, you know, it's like the talk show host, like Alec Baldwin begging for calls, has nothing left to say, so repeats it and then repeats it again and again and again. But at least he didn't again. cry like Adam Schiff. Yeah, no, he did. Really that, sad. So sad. Poor Adam. And you know what's the funniest well, part actually, about it? He did it is, cry. No, wait, he had a temper tantrum the first who? time he was trying out. Alec Baldwin cried? Correct. He did not cry. Uh, no, Alec, well, he, he had a temper tantrum and ran out of the yeah, room. Yeah, but he didn't cry. I mean, this is full on crying. It's, it, you no, know. I'm just telling you, no way. And the funny part about it is, is that half of these impeachment managers were the ones who voted against the security assistance for Ukraine in the first place. Exactly. So now they're all upset about it. And they're the ones voting against it. Unbelievable. Um... I am watching. I don't know what to think about it yet. I have friends of mine that are doctors. The consensus is this new virus. What do they call it? The um, coronavirus. coronavirus is much bigger, far more widespread. China's not exactly been forthcoming and honest about it. And, you know, because what you do is contact tracing is what it's called. The CDC, anytime something like this comes up. Now, not as many people died, but, you know, we know it's bad. Um, China is building a thousand bed hospital now for victims. Shanghai Disneyland is is closed in response to the outbreak. As the virus spreads, China's, you know, they, they made the cost to shut thousands of cinemas down. I mean, so they're now beginning to take it seriously. There was an article, I forgot, New York Magazine, I think. Experts are saying we're not as nearly prepared as we need to be for a pandemic. And it seems like we better start paying attention to this now. Listen, we have two cases in the United States, one in Washington and one in Chicago. This is a very real thing. And the problem is, is that because it's airborne and because of the fact that you can catch it from anybody, this this becomes a much larger problem and very quickly. So if we're not careful and we're not screening and we're not being smart, I mean, it is the Chinese New Year. a lot of people have gotten the virus but haven't died. I don't want people to panic either, but I want to make sure that we stay ahead of it. And I know the president commented on it that he's obviously been in 
touch with the CDC and and our health professionals. But now it seems like in the last 24 hours, it's getting a little more alarming. Can we talk about the one funny thing that happened? There's nothing funny about this. Well, there was one funny thing with Lindsey Graham. Okay. Did you know about this? So Barrasso was talking about, you know, this disease and how scary it is and that, you know, we need to be careful on this, this and that. And Lindsey Graham at that exact moment starts to cough on Mike. And everybody oh, really? thought he was kidding, but oh, he wasn't. So he had a, he actually he had a Hillary-like co- coughing fit? It was really bad, anyways. This is a virus that is a respiratory transmitted virus. Coughing, sneezing are ways that it's transmitted. Certainly, you want to cover yourself if you're doing any of those things. If you have a... <laughs> you know, that, that also I've, I've actually had one or two of those in my life. I think everybody has. Hillary had them excessively, though, I thought. But, you know, Lindsay's done a good job. you got to give these guys credit. It's not... They're working their ass off. They work, yeah. I mean, they 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 know that there's so much at stake, and they know how phony this is. And it's uh, even apparently some of the more moderate senators are just offended by all of this and just disgusted. I just hope, you know, the don't do the house's take on the house's constitutional role. You know, I just wonder how much more money do we have to spend of the American taxpayers' dollars? We've got 25 million in the Mueller probe. We've got taxpayer dollars going out the yin-yang here for these guys to stand up and talk all day and cry on the dais or whatever else they're going to do. For hours and hours and hours and hours, we still don't have veterans health care. We still don't have, uh, you know, homelessness solved. We still have an opioid crisis. You know, people are trying to feed their kids and pay their mortgage. They don't care about these guys and their showboating so that they can get their contributorship at CNN. It's guaranteed. Move on. Next. It's ridiculous. All right, let's get to our busy phones here. The all-important swing state we will be watching closely 284 days from now. Pennsylvania, France is next. France, how are you? How are you, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? I, I want to thank Katie. Katie, your call screener, is an extremely professional person. She really is a wonderful person, just so you know. Uh, yes, uh, everyone that works for me is amazing. I will say that. I agree completely. Thank you. And the other thing, with the coronavirus, the National Funeral Directors Association has a wonderful piece on there. It's a little more updated than the CDC, so if you want to check that out. Okay, I appreciate the tip. Thank you very much. Um, What I want to tell you is thank you for having Pence on. I don't think Pence gets enough uh, credit for walking away from the establishment Republicans and coming with us to the grassroots Republicans. He really stuck his neck out. And uh, I think he's a loyal foot soldier to the president. And you know, it's uh, amazing because they have look, they have very different styles, right? I mean, it's, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to, to figure this out. I mean, Mike Pence, I've known him for years and years. Love the guy. He's a great guy. He's very much more reserved, a little more quiet, far less combative and outspoken uh, on policy. They're in full agreement. And in many ways, I would argue that's the perfect complement to each other. Because the president is the president. He is the vice president. And he's look, the few times I've been there, few times, everyone thinks I live there. It's hilarious. Um, By the way, Linda, this is true, by the way. Nobody's ever gotten it right, have they? They make all this speculation. Oh, Hannity knows Trump. Uh, You tell me your sources and then I'll contemplate for two seconds whether I'll confirm and deny what you speculate. Never happening. Anyway, but you're, you make a good point. He deserves a lot of credit. All this success has been a lot of hard work by a lot of people. And it doesn't, you know, the, obviously the vision comes down from a president. The policy comes down from the president. And a lot of people work hard to implement it. And it's not an easy job. And the bureaucracy is massive. And now we know corrupt. 
Uh, anyway, thanks, friends. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to the other swing state. Uh, this one in Wisconsin, where this new $220 billion deal with China for, in two years is going to greatly, I hope, help Wisconsin farmers and manufacturers. How are you? Uh, is it Attila? How are you? Hi, Sean. It's an honor. Yes, that's correct. Attila from Kiwani. Well, let me ask you, are you a part owner in the Green Bay Packers? I am not. Uh, it, it's not. Uh, those shares are hard to come. They get passed down through families. That's how I know. It's crazy. I mean, uh, the whole state owns this this football team. It's amazing. It, it sure is, Sean. Hey, uh, you played sound bites earlier uh, of um, Adam Schiff, right? Right. And uh, what what a bunch of babies and losers. Uh, somebody give this guy, the snapperhead, a diaper and a bottle. But uh, I'd, I'd really love your opinion on these two two points, Sean, because I, I admire you. And by the way, by the way, for the job you and your team did, you should get the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. How about by the way, that? the president it's... never said that. What the president said was <laughs> that they got Pulitzer Prizes and they were wrong. And he said, you know, there's other people out there that didn't get Pulitzer Prizes like Hannity, Rush, and Levin. And I'm like, he, I mean, he wasn't saying they deserve one. I'm not, look, I, do, you think, I, do you think any stupid award means anything to me? It, the, the fact that I know and I have the personal confidence and satisfaction, and this is important, Attila, that we got it right and they were all wrong. They lied. Schiff lied. Devin Nunes told the truth. We told the truth. Everything from the... The dirty dossier emails, uh, dirty dossier and the, the email server and Espionage Act and obstruction and the bulk of information used for the FISA warrant, which was just confirmed again yesterday. And they spied on a president, a campaign, a transition team and took away the civil liberties of Carter Page. There's a lot of satisfaction in that, not ego satisfaction. We take pride in our work. We want to be right. Have they ever apologized? Absolutely not. And and you know what? You, you didn't get the Pulitzer. They get the Pinocchio Award. How about that? And But you, what you did get is you have our confidence. Well, I appreciate everything. Thank you. Um, Attila, we'll be watching Wisconsin in 284 days. Please, we need you. Come through. Uh, all right, back to our phones. Uh, all right, the great state of Texas. I'm not that worried about Texas. I kind of trust my friends in Texas, but you never know. I don't take anything for granted. Will, next, Sean Hannity Show. What's going on, Will? Hey, Sean. Uh, big fan of the show. Been listening for a while. And uh, I really just think that the Democrats are scared. I think they know that this uh, impeachment has gone a little off the rails. They don't have control anymore. And so I think they're you know bouncing from plan to plan. The new one is... Get this thing out, get it done, try to blame it on the Republicans for stonewalling it and covering it up, and then move on to the next thing. So I really think that we do need to try to prolong this impeachment because the entire time from the time it was in the House to now even in the Senate, Trump's approval numbers in the polls have been going up, up, up. And I think that if we can really take this chance to show everyone even more evidence that the Democrats are corrupt and lying and trying to smear Trump in every way possible. I think that all we're going to see is those approval numbers continue to go up, up, up. I'm arguing that they're helping the president. I'm arguing that they are exposing themselves for doing nothing. And I'm I'm seeing, look, I'm just looking at television ratings as one barometer, but a big one. And there is zero appetite for any of this from the American people. And the polls that you read are mostly corrupt and biased. 
But, um, look, we'll know in short order. This could be over next week. I hope it is. I hope for the country it is. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We're loaded up tonight. Full Hannity, all coverage you need on the, yes, the Schumer Shift Sham Show and all the highlights that thankfully, hopefully you missed in, let's just say, our very Hannity type way. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Pam Bondi, Jordan Seculo, Alan Dershowitz, Lara Logan, uh, Andy Biggs, Louis Gomer, Peter Schweitzer, and Impeachment Shift Sham Show. See you tonight at 9, back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.